It, it's pretty crazy to think about, but the bathroom is like by far and away the most wasteful room in the house. Something like up to 40% of landfill waste comes from our bathrooms. Welcome to Climate of Change, a five-part podcast series presented in partnership with Ulster Bank, featuring Northern Irish startups who are tackling the climate challenge. Today's episode is with Blaine Shaw and Toya Warnock from Lane 44, the eco-friendly razor company who are on a mission to end the 1 billion plastic razors sent to landfill sites every year. Along the way, we'll hear why they started their business, what they've learned over the last 12 months, and how you and I can do our bit for planet Earth right here in Northern Ireland. Thanks so much for being here, and we really hope that you enjoy. Yeah, my uh, my parents ran a business for the past 20, 25 years, so I remember that starting, set up in our, our front living room, believe it or not. <laughs> like, we had literally like, rows of shelves, and they, they sell like sort of wholesaling fashion products. So the stuff used to come in, I think originally from Italy, and uh, yeah, it used to be lined up. So I think whenever me and my, my sister and brothers and stuff were young, probably under 10, like we were roped into helping them set Epic. up things like that. So <laughs> was the first experience with that. I think our, our main job was uh, pulling pulling tape, branded tape off the boxes <laughs> because we reused the boxes to send out to yeah, customers so they didn't Come know where on, we were getting it from. So <laughs> yeah, that was that was our job back then. <laughs> so good. Yeah, it's like forget the, the college dorm room story. It's all about the family living room. That's where the real magic happens. <laughs> exactly. Like, and it's, it's hard to believe now looking back like how like how there was the space to run a, a business out of that room at the, at the, even at the start when it was small. But yeah, it worked somehow. <laughs> Toya, what about yourself? So... I suppose whenever I was younger, it, it probably would have made sense for me to go into business a lot sooner. Um, I was always like sketching little product designs and anytime I thought there was a problem, I would have like written it down a little bit. But that sort of got forgotten whenever I went to like start doing my A-levels and stuff like that. Did business studies, also did chemistry and careers advisor at the time said, you're better to go down a route in chemistry, like it's more niche, <laughs> you're good at what you do, you should focus on that. So Went to the master's degree in chemistry. Whole time I was doing that, was just thinking, this is great, but I just don't feel like it's for me. Then decided that a brilliant idea would be to do a PhD. Yeah, naturally. In chemistry. <laughs> um, but like during that, I sort of went, okay, I need to think about what my future is going to be like. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be in a lab the rest of my life. So I look into something else. I um, started doing a couple of business programs. Then last year of my PhD, Join co-founders, which is instantly how I met Blaine. Unbelievable. So if we were to go back and pull like Toya's sketchbook up, like what sort of stuff would we have seen in it? Do you know what? It was a lot of like camera stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was into that. Another one that I, I was into was this like uh, mad beauty box because I always had this problem whenever we went on holidays that the light in hotel rooms wasn't good enough for doing makeup <laughs> so I created this like mad thing with, like proper like Hollywood lighting but yeah, you could yeah, take yeah. it on holiday well that was my my idea anyway so cool so why did you go into co-founder sampling like what was the thinking behind that and if you could just even set a wee bit of context like what is that program for people who don't know yeah, so, so co-founders, I guess, is uh, one person has an idea, then another person has a skill, and it's really to try and bring people together mm. um, to try and further uh, a business idea, for example. So in my case, I had already started with Lane 44. We'd been out to a few Christmas gift markets in London, 
and the product sold really well. Wow. Came back from that and really struggled to um, struggled to get any traction online. But we knew there was something there because we didn't we did interest from Boots and ASOS and actually taking taking the product on board. But we just couldn't make that connection <laughs> with customers online. So I felt that you know I could really do with the co-founder to help take this forward. So I applied, and then yeah, obviously that's where I met Toya. Class. So you know you, you have the business experience. You've got the product. You meet the queen of chemistry who's coming in <laughs> to do all the chemical stuff. It just it, it's a brilliant program and it makes a lot of sense. Definitely. Take us back then to like. You know your actual product itself, because I'm not even sure if a lot of people listening are really familiar with that product that you're selling. And I think, like, I have such—I was saying to you before we even recorded—like, I have such a personal attachment to that old style of razor. Like, I remember seeing McGra- like in my granny's you know bathroom, like you know Granda's razor, and being like, "That looks so epic!" Like, <laughs> yeah. oh my word! Like, when did you first come across that? So I was out working in the US with my parents' business and um, came across a shop out there called The Art of Shaving. Mm. It was like, literally, it was like a, a bacon calling me in. I was like, <laughs> oh, I've got to go and look at these things. And uh, yeah, as I say, like I'd always had that ambition to start start my own thing. And I knew it wasn't in fashion because of the, there's, there's, there's a lot of challenges there in terms of the amount of stock that you have to, to commit to. So re- did a bit of research into these and, and realized that I could get my hands on them relatively easily, but sort of two and two together that they were plastic free and thought here there could be an opportunity here so got a hold of them went to went over to london to this market and yeah they just started selling and that was actually at the, at the very start it was um you look at the product you look at those razors and you, i think you mentioned like your your grandfather's razor or something like you, everyone just associates it with being a man's product and mm. naturally that's where we sort of defaulted to right from the start it was at that show there was a like there was, a, I think, a couple of girls, maybe two, two girls came up and said, "Can we buy them?" And we were like, <laughs> "Yeah, uh, yes, that's definitely become we can make that happen." Yeah. So that was actually that was probably the first, like, right from the very start, that was the first indication that this was potentially more suited to to females than, mm-hmm. than than males. So yeah, that's sort of where that transition basically began, right from our first wow. experience being out in the. In the real world, I guess. So cool. So tell us a wee bit more, Toya, then about the product. So the technical word, I suppose, probably not a technical term, just the actual name of the razor would be it's a safety razor, right? Yeah. So how does that compare to, you know, your classic named brand plastic razor? Well, we won't discuss any any names of brands here. <laughs> um, the safety razor goes back 100 years. It's proven to do a good job. Uh, some multinationals have decided that they want to reinvent that. And while they've done a good job, I think what we have found, especially with female shavers, is that over up to 90% of them suffer with razor rash. Mm. And unfortunately, with those cartridge-based razors, there's a lot of area on them. It's a lot of area that bacteria can grow. The more blades actually means that it can cause more friction on the skin as well. These all lead to the razor burn, which is, it's funny how, like, I think whenever you hear the name of that brand that we won't mention. You just assume, like, oh, you know, they've done so much research, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. perfect. Yes, they've made it safer, um, but they actually haven't helped the quality of the shave, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, we've had, um, especially with, with lockdown, I think a lot of our customers would have s- struggled with shaving rash for years, and they've looked for an alternative thing, so a lot of them sort of default to waxing. But obviously during the lockdown, waxing hasn't been available or, like, or as readily available as yeah, it had yeah, yeah. been. So a lot of our customers were looking for an alternative solution. 
So they came to us and what they found is actually that they don't get any razor burn Absolutely. or anything like that with our product now, which is which is great. It's almost like real validation for what we our research mm-hmm. had kind of said to us at, at, at the beginning, you know. So Yeah. And you know, it's it's a single blade product. You change the blades out. Mm-hmm. It's a metal razor that pretty much in theory lasts forever. Like, yeah. you know, like I've seen someone like you know, older guys that I know, and that I mean it's been there for at least fifty years. And yeah. the money that you save doing it that way as well is like crazy yeah like the the, the blades are the blades are a fraction of the, of the price i mean if you think about your, your cartridge razor you've got there's a lot of uh, manufacturing that has to go in there's a lot of different mm-hmm. parts and things like that so that all costs money to put together but and then even at that then it's the there's there's a highly inflated price to, to purchase those whereas our blades just have sort of one single metal component which uh, another sort of key point there is it makes it really really easy to recycle so mm. it's um better shaved cheaper and and you can recycle it so i think that's uh, yeah yeah i think i'd said to you on the phone plane like i the first time i came across safety razor outside of you know grandma's cabinet was uh in the states as well yeah. and i thought i had like really bad acne all my life and i was yeah. like trying all these acne products and whatever and i literally was out playing basketball with like this black guy in harlem and he goes oh mate like you got razor bumps there he didn't have, have Belfast accent, but he, he just did in, in the way I told the story there. And I was like, what the heck's a razor bump? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like loads of us, we get it because like our hair's thicker and you've quite curly hair. Like, you try this thing. And he showed me, the, you know, the razor and his thing was the multi-bladed razors sometimes will cut too much and cause ingrown hairs. Exactly. And then the ingrown hairs can kind of turn into like acne looking type stuff. I switched my razor and literally my skin has been clear as clear. Like That's the way those, those uh, like multi-blade razors are designed so that the leading blade is more blunt so that it catches the hair ah. and then pulls your skin tight. And then the other blades are, are supposed to, to come along and sort of catch the, catch the hair at the surface of the skin. But often it then leads to sort of cutting under the surfaces of the skin, which is what leads to the razor bumps. So whereas I guess with our product with a single blade product it's it's just cutting directly at the surface of the skin there's no tugging or nothing it's just mm-hmm. getting right at the sort of root of the hair without cutting underneath the skin so that's what sort of eliminates that razor razor pump and razor rash kind of thing i love like talking to people who've gone so far down their niche like you've now become like an expert of like razors <laughs> and blades now it's like who would have ever thought uh like no, how it. have you found like using the product because it is very like it's even been portrayed like as a very very masculine thing like mm-hmm. blame was saying like what's been your experience like have you enjoyed it <laughs> yeah no what i've really enjoyed the most is having a product that actually does work i have always suffered with razor rash on my legs yeah. since i first started shaving you know like every couple of days you need to shave and it's just going over going over they're painful it's mm. sore gives you dry skin and blaine sent me one of the razors whenever we first became co-founders together and I was like, wow, like it's difficult to use the first couple of times, but yeah. it's just getting that technique down and honestly could never use anything else in my life again. Yeah. But there is that kind of sense of like uh, mastery or something as well. It's like you're learning a skill. You're yeah. like, oh yeah, I'm getting better at this. This is great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know at the start people will get like nicks and, and cuts, like it's a sharp blade, obviously, but I'm at the point now where I have it completely fine. <laughs> like, yes. Absolute pro. You yeah. perfect the art of shaving. Like. Yeah. So, so good. So, I mean, talk to me about the, the environmental aspect to this, because like you said, like it solves a lot of problems, this business. It solves a big pain point for customers in terms of the price and then also the actual quality of shave and skin problems and stuff. But it also solves a huge problem whenever it comes to the plastic issue. So just talk to me broadly about that. 
I think everybody's come to associate plastic as like a dirty word now. <laughs> yeah. Plastic straws, you know, nobody wants to be seen. Like it's not cool anymore. Yeah. I think quite a lot of other bigger brands like Garnier and stuff, they're bringing out plastic-free products or at least single-use plastic-free. So I think it's it's becoming such a trend that you have to be plastic-free and also function as a really great product as well. At least that's what I've found. So we give you, I'll give you some stats here. Oh, mate, like, please uh, hit me. So if every person in the, in the world uh, were to to go plastic free with their shaving, so that would sort of, that would sort of stop three billion razors going to landfill and oceans every year. Something like twenty five thousand tons of packaging would be eliminated, and we would save an estimated one million tons of CO two annually. Oh my! It's it's crazy, isn't it? Like for like something that like, I think even back prior to to sort of being in the US and seeing that or mm. shaving shop. I think I didn't even I didn't even realize that my razor was plastic. Yeah. Like, you know, no, but hundred percent because it's got a wee bit of rubber on it. Yeah, yeah. orange, and you're like, oh, I don't associate like, with that. It's just like it's just subconscious. It's just like this is a razor. This is what I do with it. Yeah. You know, whereas everyone yeah. was, I think, at the, even back back then, everyone was going mad about straws, but still didn't realize that this is a razor, and then I'm going to throw it away after. It didn't yeah. even click. Like, yeah, the whole head of the multi blade has to be thrown away. Never mind the packaging that it's in. Yeah, and they can't yeah. be they can't be recycled. Cool. Well, yeah, but they can't be recycled easily. So, well, wow. mm-hmm. I don't I don't know the exact percentage, but yeah, the vast yeah. majority of them aren't getting recycled. Yeah, they nice. have to go to a specific um, recycling center to get recycled properly. Yeah, and let's be real. Who's going to do that? Oh, I've just finished. <laughs> Here's my three my three uh, heads of the razor. Let me just ship it to this place. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, it's, it's really, really difficult. I, I really, I love talking to you guys because in this series, you are probably one of the only kind of like consumer focused businesses that we're talking to. Yeah. And I like that because very often, you know, we're talking about climate change on like a big level and we're like, what can the government do? Or like, flip mm-hmm. sake, the policy needs to change. <laughs> but you're coming at and tackling like a very, very practical thing that all of us can do that can lead to a big impact, as you said. Talk to me about the bathroom yeah. and the role that the bathroom could play in us trying to be better as like individuals and, and normal everyday sort of people. It, it's pretty crazy to think about, but the bathroom is like by far and away the most wasteful room in the house. Something like up to 40% of landfill waste comes from our bathrooms. My days. Like you think about it like in your kitchen, like you've got like a, like a literally a recycling bin for like everything that you could possibly imagine <laughs> but like in some for some reason in your bathroom there's there's literally just one wee tiny like rubbishy bin so that's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. but that i think that leads to a lot of things going on but then also like you think like like, I, like take take a walk through the aisles of any supermarket like and go to the, the sort of beauty aisle and everything is like I, I did this maybe a couple of weeks ago back i think whenever we first spoke on the phone and just looked and said can i find a product here that is not in plastic packaging and you just mm. couldn't find it so yeah like, i mean the whole the whole bathroom space is is something that we really want to try and tackle and we really want to make an impact on because yeah it's it's just there's just so much waste there that and mm. there's and there's so many other opportunities so yeah i think i think it's um important to to address that problem it's cool and where does this intersect with like your expertise in chemistry like talk to me about the chemical side to like you know the bathroom and like the products we have whether it's the impact it has on us as people on our skin or kind of the environmental challenges associated with that as well a lot of products that you would buy in the supermarket 
have really touchy chemicals in them. Like, <laughs> right. I'm a chem- like, I am a chemist. I Every- mean, like, talk to me. Like, how dull you be talking here? We're like- talking about industrial cleaners. Right. In hair <laughs> products that, like, are used as, like, to clean floors and to clean really, really, really dirty things. And it's, like, the second name ingredient oh, on man. some of the, like, pretty much all shampoos. People can actually have really, really, really bad reactions to them as well. So I kind of believe that, you know, everything is a chemical. Some things are just a lot better or don't affect our skin um, in comparison to others. So I kind of believe in the whole natural skincare side. I do think we obviously need to have stabilizers and things like that in the products. But bringing it back to natural products that actually have a function and a benefit for skin is so much more important at least to us than just creating a cheap product that doesn't really function it's just you know there to exist and to mm. sell so we're i've been really focused on that yeah it's a really interesting point because again like we're just knocking big shaving here aren't we but like <laughs> if you look at like standard shaving foam yeah. it's so bad to shave with and yeah. like i think a kind of happy accident about me getting into the safety razor was then getting the wee badger brush and paying a wee bit more for like a fancier sort of shaving balm or whatever yeah and like we've used some amazing stuff like argan oil and like Mm -hmm. even i think even maybe eucalyptus or something yeah absolutely and it's like just a complete natural product and it's as smooth as you could get like yeah so like they're all like eucalyptus like you said tea tree they're all natural antibiotics so they're like killing any infection whenever you're shaving over your skin. Wow. It's killing all that sort of like bugs that would have gone into your skin otherwise. Also with natural skincare as well, you don't really want to include things like alcohols in them. Like you wouldn't take vodka and like rub it all over your hands. Like <laughs> you know how how sore everybody's hands have been because they've been putting all the alcohol on their hands recently right, yeah. to to kill I mean COVID safe, but it, it has been wrecking other people's hands. So we want to try and move away from that, which mm. is a massive part of normal shaving foams. It's funny, shaving like, I actually, I actually never, like, I probably shouldn't say this, but I never used shaving foam because I just never believed it actually did anything. Sure, yeah. And, and um, mm-hmm. we're, uh, well, I guess, in the, in the process of releasing our first kind of shaving cream and uh, pre-shave scrub and, like, the difference that that makes, like, whenever you whenever you use one that actually works really, really well mm-hmm. is, is, is incredible. Look. So, I mean, like, you know, you're chucking along with a business and... You're selling in person at fairs. You're you're killing it at the fairs actually and doing really well. And like loads of businesses have existed like that forever. You know, it's a fair based business. You go mm-hmm. to London, you go around, you, you sell, you know, buckets and buckets of, of these cool razors. Uh, and then COVID hits and then you need to pivot extremely quickly into an e-commerce world, which is much harder than people think it is. Like talk to me about that journey and, and trying to even break into that market. Yeah, well, I've, I've told this um, to a lot of people, like, but like, I literally thought, um, right, I'll fire a website up, I'll fire a few Facebook ads <laughs> up, and people will come. And, that, and that's it. Like, and then you just like, yeah. my ties, yeah, I sit back, page, like, yeah, boom. great, easy. But no, that wasn't the case, uh, as I found out the hard way. So it took us, it took us a long time, really, to try and figure out how to sell these online. We kind of. Uh, yeah, as I say, I started off just by putting up a, you know, a picture on Facebook and thinking, right, you know, let's see who comes from that. Didn't really work. Um, kind of sort of went through the whole process and then we eventually decided, right, we need to get these in the hands of a few people and just get them out and take a chance and see mm-hmm. what happens. So started working with influencers. Oh, well. And that's when that really kind of, uh, that's when we really started to see some, some orders coming through and some people buying these. The next step from that was using the content that the influencers created mm. to, to then advertise through Facebook and that took it to the next level all the way through to more recently, like 
the TikTok has just been unbelievable. Look, like, yeah, I know it sounds strange talking about TikTokers and things like that. <laughs> but, uh, We're still not quite sure about yeah, what you call a TikToker. Yeah, like you know, you're, you're talking to someone that, like these really professional people or something, and you're saying, "Yeah, TikToker." This <laughs> it just sounds funny, like, but um, it's been great, and I think mm-hmm. definitely that's something we're really wanting to keep pushing as we sort of move forward. Here. Sure. So as you've kind of embarked in that whole influencer marketing world, which is a absolute minefield. Yeah. What types of influencers have you found works for you in terms of a demographic or a niche? Like, because, you know, it it's, can be hard to know, like, where do we want to put our target here and what does a bullseye look like? Have you got closer to what that looks like? While Instagram's been great for us, we do love TikTok and it's because it's so much more organic. It feels natural. Mm. We've definitely tried a good few different influencers from, you know, the eco-friendly ones to the more natural and normal girls and it ju- it seems to resonate so much better with somebody who is exactly like us like just really normal organic down to earth and yeah it's been going really well on that Pe- people with a real sense of humor yes seem as to well really, yeah. really natural <laughs> yeah. like i was gonna say like i just feel like whenever you don't feel somebody selling you something like they actually believe in the product that they've used. They're, you know, they're showing off their hairy mm. legs and showing like, look, my leg's actually fantastic now. <laughs> and I would be suffering so much. It's just showing that like raw, gritty side of it. Yes. It's just, it's so much better. Yeah. And I guess like in some ways, like shaving is, it's quite an intimate thing. Mm-hmm. And so that little bit of humor can maybe bridge that gap a little bit. Yeah. And like we said at the top of the show, like it's an easy sell because most of us have some sort of complication with shaving. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so the fact that this is a very, very easy solution, it's classic entrepreneurship. It's like, here's a problem, here's a solution. Wham bam. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, it's it's def- it's definitely been a been a been a journey to kind of to, to kind of put together everything, you know, right from the start where it was just like this is plastic free and that's all we're shouting about, right? To mm. discovering that actually all these girls are having such issues with 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 their current razors, which, you know, at the start, we 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 didn't sort of put two and two together until mm-hmm. we started speaking with people, to sort of adding in that message and then working with influencers and then naturally mm-hmm. just picking up on the benefit. Like, I think that I think that might have been a big a big part of sort of recognizing the additional messaging is getting it in the hands of influencers and then just talking about it and their experience and hearing mm-hmm. from them naturally, as Toya says, what yeah. what what they actually believed about the product. And we were like, oh, right. <laughs> so that's why people like it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's so good. So, like, are you exclusively focused on the female market now? Yeah, that's much. definitely who our our targeting's going to. But we definitely we still get messages from guys, and we also still get women who are buying gifts for their partners, boyfriends. You find, like, you find, yeah, the 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 girl would would, would buy a razor for herself, and then um, would come back maybe a few weeks later to buy one for their for her partner or whatever else. You yeah. Know? So, and is that focus that is that focused purely because? It's such an untapped market because, as we mentioned, it, it you know the safety razor has just been absolutely bombarded as a super masculine kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, I think so there's no options there. Like there's no like, you think yeah like, you think of all the shaving companies out there. There's not, there's not many brands focused on 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 females. Um, yeah, true. Outside of outside of Gillette and um, Wilkinson Sword or whatever, but mm-hmm. um, there are a few startups, but they're all they're, again they're all essentially doing the same the same thing. Sure. So. I think we're kind of unique in that sense that we're providing a different product, um, and one that we believe actually does have real benefits for the, for for the user skin. So I think that's essentially why we've chosen to focus exclusively mm-hmm. on females. And yeah, that's kind of I think the direction that we're moving anyway. Yeah, you almost get your your marketing from your users. 
Mm-hmm. That's smart. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It makes it keeps it very authentic as well. Um, like, you know, business, never mind influencer marketing, but like it's all such a minefield and it's like so many plates to spin and so many different things that you need to keep on top of. How has the Ulster Bank Accelerator program kind of helped you out in various areas or I suppose like what has it done for you? I guess I joined the Ulster Bank Accelerator program at a, at a strange time. Like we were literally about to, to start into that program and then all the lockdown stuff happened. So I think I think we were literally due to start probably the day that the, the first <laughs> lockdown. So we got an email saying, don't, don't be turning up because uh, there'll be no one here kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> um, so then it, it, it shifted within a couple of weeks, all the online stuff. But you know, it's, it, it's been really helpful from a, a sort of, like, I guess, a networking point of view in terms of if we needed connected to someone, they would be able to make a connection in that kind of way. Like, and then we would sort of regularly catch up, I think once, once a month video calls and things like that, which is beneficial to sort of keep focus and keep accountability and things like that. I think as we're progressing, certainly in the, in the, in the early days, whenever we were struggling to sell online, I think it was really valuable to have that mentorship almost on a regular basis to, mm sort of keeps in try different things or try this or what's working, what's not working. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. It's easy to forget that in your day to day things like some things have worked and something, you yeah. know, blah, blah, and all that kind of thing, you know. So cool. How have you found the transition from like the world of academia into business? Because <laughs> I, I just was like, I was sitting here thinking, I was like, you spend a lot of time in a lab and in some ways, like what you're doing in a startup is you're just constantly running experiments. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really accurate. I think I've been very lucky coming from academia which I loved and I hated at the same time (laughs) um, into business which I genuinely feel like I can throw myself into a lot more yeah and then having the support of Blaine as well who does have that previous experience it feels like I'm not going out completely by myself I would take this any day over a day in the lab and like is it a cliche that like it's faster paced or there's not as much sort of red tape or what do you enjoy about it I suppose I think I like the autonomy of it. Yeah. Like I had a lot of autonomy um, whenever I was in the lab as well, but the hours are crazy. I was mm. probably working too much. I was working to deadlines. You've got this big thesis that you have to have at the end. It just, with this, it feels like I want to do it more. I am yeah. more excited by it. I've done my time in the lab, which I did love, but time for a change. Yeah. And so how do you go about developing new products then? Just sort of looking at what's on the market, going, looking at research papers, finding out what chemicals, what compounds in certain natural products have for the skin, combining them all together, and then started making them in my kitchen <laughs> over the summer the You put this on your skin? He's like, okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I was pretty confident with what I was doing, uh, which was good. We got, we got really high quality products from different shops online. And yeah, no, when I was sending him some samples and he was like, what is this? I said, just go with it, just try it. Um, but yeah, no, a lot of mistakes, a lot of experiments, but I think we got to something now that we're, we're happy with. That's yeah. awesome. There's okay. one, that, the one that uh, smelled like seaweed. Yeah, I, 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 I actually yeah. went <laughs> and got seaweed um, from the beach and was like harvesting all this seaweed myself and trying to work out the best way to get the chemicals out of it with like wrecking it and then yeah. I didn't have the proper equipment so <laughs> just like dry it it'll be fine don't worry about the smell <laughs> just kind of like some stock questions though like to uh, start wrapping up I always love to ask kind of these these uh, cliche sort of questions because I think they just they can uncover some fun stuff uh, what would you say is the biggest challenge so far 
with with the with the business. Play him whatever you want, whatever I want. Uh, probably this. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, and and in terms of the business, the biggest challenge there's always just different different challenges. Like keep you know different things come up. You know, and I think it's that I guess the challenge to just keep moving forward. You know, and not lose focus on, on where you're going. You know, because like. You know, one day you could be top of the world. The next day, you know, you, you could, everything could come back crashing down. So it's just keeping that focus and moving forward and keep trying things. I think you, you mentioned earlier about experimenting and things like that. You know, that, mm. like, that's what we're doing. We're still very early days of this business, you know, and there's an awfully long way to go. But mm. um, so we have a lot of experimenting to do and then just keeping that focus on that. It's great. Yourself? I just think one of the main things that keeps us moving forward is we're not really afraid of anything. We'll try anything once, maybe sometimes even twice. Um, but our main thing is like, we'll get to a point, like we started off at zero customers and then we got like a few customers. We're like, yes, you know, we're, <laughs> we're absolutely killing it now. And then we got to a point a couple of weeks ago that we were, we were flying and we thought we were flying. Mm. And then we went, but how do we make this better? Yeah. So we're constantly just trying to change, move, pivot, anything we need to do, we're, we're there to do it. That's cool. Proudest moment so far? <laughs> I never even really think of this kind of stuff like so it's hard to hard to answer like um I don't know it was it was nice to it was nice to start on propel it was nice mm -hmm. to get on the propel like I think that was I'd applied to propel previously and got rejected so <laughs> it was good it was good to uh, it was good to get on there and you know ever since being on that program like it's been absolutely phenomenal so mm -hmm. I think definitely that was a big a big moment and, and just to have that validation that you know that we've progressed in that in that year in between applying and 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 getting on mm -hmm. Um, that validation was really uh, was really good, and then everything that's come off the back of Propel has been, you know, it's it's all really helped to come out, move us forward and, and sort of keep reiterating that we're we're well, we're maybe not on the exact right track, we're we're heading in the right direction, kind of. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. awesome. Toya, I don't really like to talk about money, but I think for me, a massive piece of validation was whenever we hit our first ten k in one mm. month. That was that was a real nice caveat absolutely for, yeah it was lovely Just, so it, was, it was like um what do you call it like a milestone moment yeah yeah, yeah. It's, like it's, it's, it's not necessarily the, what the the financial or the money yeah side of it or the it's it's more about the the milestone and the validation that, yeah. that you know and you know and we're moving towards our next target now i think that's uh, yeah. the next big step yeah. like you know it's cool final question then and uh i'm going to tailor this slightly because the world of startups move very quickly um, but if you could go back to yourself even like a year ago and you had a few minutes of, you know, one year younger Toya and Blaine, like what sort of things would you say to them? I would say I've made the right decision. Be like, <laughs> just stick with it. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. Um, maybe finish your PhD a little bit sooner than what you have. <laughs> just go for it. Um, and yeah, accept every opportunity that comes your way and just go for it. Uh, give give the razors to influencers. No, don't, don't, don't wait another few months. <laughs> so good, man. That's uh, highly practical. We love that. <laughs> Super. Well, look, guys, thank you so much for uh, coming in today. Thanks for giving up your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. And thanks so much for having us. Climate of Change is a Best of Belfast production. 
made possible with support from Ulster Bank, who as part of their efforts to lead the way in addressing the causes of climate change, have committed 25% of the places on their accelerator program for climate-focused businesses. If you have a green business idea that could help save our planet, please click the link in the description of this episode to apply to the Ulster Bank Climate Accelerator before applications close on the 11th of June. Other than that, thanks so much for listening and we hope you have a great rest of your day.